Hey everybody, it's Stuart Thompson. I wanted to let you know that I have a brand new comedy album out now. Yes, now. It's called Dandy Man from Radland Records. And you can get it anywhere that you get your albums, including Apple Music, Amazon, Pandora, Spotify, Tidal, and YouTube. I hope you listen to it and I hope you really enjoy it. You can get it anywhere you get your albums. Just look up Stuart Thompson, that's S-T-U-A-R-T, and Dandy Man is the name of the album. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome everyone to the Late Night Podcast with Stuart and Luke. I'm Stuart Thompson. I'm not. That's Luke Schwartz. Uh, mm. We've got an excellent episode, a uh, great conversation coming your way with the return of Alex Hooper. Uh, mm-hmm. he is, he's so funny and so positive. And uh, he's got a great podcast called Achilles Heel that uh, you should definitely check out. And he's got a great uh, half-hour special coming out on YouTube called When Does the Club Shut? So we talk a little bit about that and his experience mm-hmm. filming a bunch of sets over he in hasn't London. Had, he hasn't had me on his podcast, so don't listen to it. Okay, well, you know. But if you check wanna... out the YouTube thing, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to do a, a podcast boycott until Luke is on it. Um, Honestly, that should be how you listen to every podcast. If I've been on it, you can listen to it. So you but, can't listen to any of the popular podcasts. <laughs> but if Achilles heel, you know, it's, it, it's about people talking about their weaknesses, and you've mm-hmm. never bombed. So, like, how... What, yeah, that's true. What would you talk about? My, you know, my weakness is that I am so strong. <laughs> And handsome. <laughs> I'm Is it spelled? Yeah. It should be spelled Achilles H E A L. Um, it's because you're getting better. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> By you're talking about it. Yeah. Full. See, I don't know why not. If you're listening to this, I'm a great podcast guest, and I'll interrupt you less than I do, Stuart. That's um, for sure. Uh, the uh, yeah, well, you should talk to Alex. Maybe he'll. Uh, you could talk about how your weakness is. Being yeah, maybe so I strong. will. <laughs> maybe I friggin' will. You dick. You dick. So feisty. It's so feisty. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's been a um, it's been a rockin' rockin' week. Um, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I'm. I don't know. I. I still feel a little bit of a, a level of calm, in, in spite of the fact that like you know coronavirus cases are going up and like. It's because you're the, high the, as the, hell. Yeah, I am super high all the time. You're uh, zooted <laughs> to the moon. You're baked out of your gourd. Yeah, I mean, I have. I have been uh, several times during this uh, quarantine uh, because. You know, have you actually? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I wouldn't say I'm like. Do like, you I, you like to chomp down though, right? Yeah, I, I'm more of a I'm more of a chomp down guy. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm I'm a I'm a toker and I'm a midnight. I was gonna say stroker, but that's wrong. <laughs> um, well, I mean, the Joker's is the actual lyric. Yeah. Yes, I I always before eleven fifty nine. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Um, keep it in today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, can't I uh, after midnight. I'm like the opposite of a gremlin or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I don't think that's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, it's like I pour water after midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, you should never come on a gremlin after midnight. <laughs> yeah, because they'll love you, mm-hmm. um, and they'll never get out of your hair. Um, <laughs> Just like my curb. <laughs> um. Why do you call it Kerm? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's what it's called. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Sperm cum. Okay. Uh, so I, um, <laughs> I, I, do, I have chomped down uh, and gone on walks, and or sometimes I've uh, chomped mm-hmm. down and watched uh, shows that I wouldn't otherwise watch. I feel like we yeah. talked about this. Like, I, I watched... Like Hannah Gadsby special a while back after <laughs> and, chomping and down. loved it. <laughs> it was it was fine. Oh, it was a lot more enjoyable. Oh. <laughs> I was, I have these edibles that are about ten milligrams, and I eat one and I don't feel it, and I eat two and I feel very nice, like a Borat. Yeah. And <laughs> I like it a Borat, which is my Mario talking about Borat. Yeah, um, it's a me. 
Yeah, but I, I, <laughs> I was playing uh, Among Us, which I call Humongous, um, <laughs> sure. with a group of friends or whatever. And so <laughs> I was high as hell on these two edibles that I forgot. And everyone was like, mm-hmm. well, where were you? Were you in the control room? And I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't give like alibis, even though I wasn't the killer and stuff. Right. It was it was a fun time. That is fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like playing with those dudes because a few of them take it really seriously, and a couple of them take it semi seriously, and I don't take it very seriously at all. Yeah. And one game, I convinced everyone. Uh, have you played this game? No. Well, uh, you can. So it, I, I we called an emergency meeting right away and just voted based on gut instinct instead of like waiting for someone to be killed and was like i think jake did it and then we voted jake <laughs> off and it wasn't him and then we did I, I think renee did it and we voted renee i forget it wasn't renee no what's his name raul and then okay. like and then we got it in like three guesses out of the nine people that were playing <laughs> it was pretty fun no oh, nice yeah that's Very funny cool. for people who have played the game yeah, gamers, uh, get on it. Uh, mm-hmm. well, I'm uh, not a virgin. <laughs> so, I mean, you might not be able to relate to Luke in all ways, but you will be able mm-hmm. to relate, relate to him uh, talking about Among Us. I'd like to make it very clear. I know about sex and I've had it. <laughs> I feel like you're becoming I less make convincing. I want very clear, okay? <laughs> I've done it. Okay. God, remember when it was just in like in elementary school that was what sex was you, it yeah did you do it oh, oh my oh, he did it Ooh. I remember learning a word it might have been like bitch or something and I just like didn't know what it meant but like, or like it might have been fuck and I was just like but we, like someone was like you want to hear a bad word and then it was just like a syllable that was, and then we were like oh but we didn't know what yeah. it meant at all or like how to use it or in what context it was, it was yeah. appropriate you know for years I thought 69 meant gay I just thought it meant gay <laughs> and then I was in middle school and I was driving with like well I was riding, I was the passenger, and my dad was the driver. And yeah. I, we we either passed like 69th Street or something like that. And I was like, 69, <laughs> that's funny. And he's like, why do you think that's funny, little boy? Like, why do you think that? <laughs> and I was like... That's a good he, response. I like and he that. goes, he, I go, well, doesn't it mean gay? And he goes, no, it means... When a man and a woman face the opposite way and go down on each other. And I was like, horrified. It was so much worse than I thought. It was so much grosser than anything I had imagined. I just thought it was like, because uh, <laughs> it was I love- shocking. It was like, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I love that he was just out with it. Like, that's, yeah. that's so great. Well, he's like, well, you're joking about, I mean, you just, you have to know now. I mean, he wasn't wrong. He should yeah. have told me. But yeah, it, I mean, it was a real shock to the system. Yeah, it's better that than be, than just like let you keep thinking that. <laughs> that yeah, that my dad is also an oversharer. Sure, like, classic oversharer. I, I saw porn way too early, and it put because he he was like, "Look at this." <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah. how? Are but it wasn't even that crazy. It was. Yeah. It was well, it was it was women with their legs up and they were making the VW logo. There were like five of them or Got three it. of them, I guess. Got it. And I, and that I was just like, Wah! I was not ready for that. <laughs> uh, it was how like, early is too early? <laughs> like 22, 23. Yeah, that's fair. That's no, weird. I was probably 14. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, I, I'd seen some stuff or whatever, but, your dad showing you is really a bummer yeah kind of puts me off it for like yeah. several years i can't say i've had that that bonding moment with my dad uh but you know there's still no there's you still and your time. parents don't talk right well it's not that we don't you talk. communicate we, don't, we but communicate but it, we communicate but it's definitely not about uh sex stuff mm-hmm. um and 
uh, I think I've gotten closer to that with my dad. Um, that stuff doesn't really come up with my mom. Uh, I mean, but yes, I remember... your mom is uh, stoic, I'll say. Sure. Uh, but I did, um, I, I was just identifying with what you said about seeing porn too early, which I, I think I did as well. I saw, uh, I was at a sleepover with uh, a bunch of friends and they're flipping through pay-per-view channels and mm-hmm. we came across furry porn, uh, and we were 12. Yeah. It's, it's always a weird thing with your first porn, uh, whoops. Sorry, my alarm went off. <laughs> my porn <laughs> alarm went off. <laughs> I was like, time to jerk it. Yeah, is that why you said you could only do this right now? <laughs> <laughs> I woke up before my alarm this morning. What are you going to do? Um, uh, 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 yeah, your first porn experience, because especially if you're inexperienced and you don't know what you're doing, could right. be disastrous. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I remember going. This is a long intro, but it's funny. It's okay. I went to me and me, <laughs> me and my friend. My my parents were out, and you know we had the family computer in the in, yeah. the, in the living room, and we we're like we heard we heard disaster. there's we heard there's nudity here. Let's see let's see what that's all about. Mm-hmm. And we went to, uh, I think we went to porn.com. Just to put it in, and of course, <laughs> virus, a million pop-ups, just like pop-up, pop-up, pop-up. We were like, ah. and then of course, mom comes walking up the <laughs> up the dry up the steps, and we see her like, oh god, she parked. Oh god, she's walking in. I can't close all these windows. Oh no. So my friend just like turns the monitor off, and so my mom comes in, and they're we're sitting at the computer, and the monitor is blank, <laughs> and she's like, what are you doing? We're like. What do you mean? Why are you asking such weird questions? <laughs> we got caught. It was not great. Yeah. Yeah. And now oh, I have a... no fetish at all. <laughs> yeah, because I'm fetishless. A... Yeah, well, anytime a fetish comes up, is like, what are you doing? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, nothing. Sorry, everybody. I'm not fetishizing anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I think oh, I that's... just fetishize sex. <laughs> you know, that's my fetish yeah. is that I like it. Yeah, I like it when uh when when the dick goes in the other thing. Yes, <laughs> that is that's my old bit. You remember that one? Yeah, thank I do. you. Yes. God, I'm good at comedy. Anyway, you know who else is good at comedy? Stewart, and also Alex Hooper. Yeah, check out his uh, half-hour special. It comes out on Thursday, uh, November 19th. So if you're listening to this the day it comes out, that's tomorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. So go check that out on YouTube. It'll I be assume free. it'll be on there forever. Yep. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, enjoy the rest of this uh, conversation with him. He's, uh, he's a dope dude. He's great. All right, bye, what the fuckers. See you soon. Welcome back, everybody. We are very excited to have a return guest, someone you haven't had on the podcast in quite a while, and someone who's had a lot of life happen since we had him on. It's Alex Hooper. It's so nice to see you, man. It's great to see both of you guys. I'm excited to return. I always like coming back to a podcast I've done before because it's like, how have I changed? How have I grown? How have I gotten less funny since the last time I was here? <laughs> Hi, so Alex. many ways. Well, we both have mustaches now. No one who's listening can see that, but we can show that time has passed. Yeah, a quality mustaches, by the way. Yeah, and uh, the feeling's mutual. <laughs> I mean, Luke, how are you doing over there with your naked face? I have no choice. Yeah, we've I talked at length about anything. Uh, we don't. This is not about me. This is about you and your silly outfits. <laughs> oh, I, I do have plenty of those. Um, yeah. Let's let's get it out of the way. Let's you let's plug the thing that you're you're hyped up for right up top, so people are listening and look. Yes, for it. please. Uh, so on uh, November nineteenth, I have a half hour special coming out uh, on YouTube, and what it is is it's last year in last last November I took a trip to London to do a bunch of shows, brought a couple friends with me. One of them 
filmed pretty much every second of the trip and turned the entire experience into a comedy special slash travel log. So oh, it's a very unique way of presenting a special. You never, there's about, it's a half an hour special. It's about 20 minutes of me doing stand up, but you never watch me do stand up for more than about 15 seconds before you're watching B roll footage undercut with my jokes. That's good. I could never watch 15, more than 15 seconds of anyone stand up anyway. So that's good. <laughs> Dude, that's the, the thing is, so this year, our, our whole plan was we were going to record a special at an outdoor music festival. And we mm. were thinking along these ways, we were like everyone was like alex that's the worst idea i've ever heard it's uncontrollable you're outside it's a music festival and i was like well that's my world that's what i yeah. know and that's how i want to present myself so when we couldn't do that we thought well what can we do and my friends started putting together this london footage and before we knew it we had something that was i knew it was good when i turned it on and i didn't hate watching myself yeah that's a that, great sign great sign you know, I was like, oh, this this flows. And the reason I like it so much is because you're not just watching a guy do stand up on a stage. You're watching him run around London while the jokes are playing over top. And so much of the footage correlates to what uh, is, I'm talking about in the joke. Like I do a whole joke about how much I hate my phone. And literally every clip you see is me looking at my phone somewhere in London. So <laughs> it's completely <laughs> just antithetical to what I'm talking about and so perfect that I'm just he has all the I was like where did you get all these shots of me on my phone I didn't even realize I look at my phone that much and he's like yep I was capturing all of it and so <laughs> It's just a fun, it's a fun, very different way to present a special and I'm so mm -hmm. proud of it and I can't wait for people to see it. That's great. And for those who are listening to this episode the day it comes out, that means it's coming out tomorrow on YouTube. So uh, go check that out. Um, that's fantastic. Will it be free? It's free. Yeah, we're doing wow. a we're doing a premiere. Where now we decided that like we never had any expectations for this thing. Like we were gonna make a 12, 7 to twelve minute like little like Rolling Stone style tour documentary, and then when we couldn't do the special this year, at first. My director and editor, my friend Kyle Troxel, who's brilliant, um, he presented me with a 55-minute edit. And so there was like an eight-minute like clip of me doing stand-up with like no breaks. And I was like, dude, this is uh, it's we're not gonna get views from mm -hmm. this. It's too long. It's just it's too much of what we're seeing elsewhere. And as we kept cutting it down further and further, it suddenly took on this life where it had this flow to it that was way more interesting. Mm -hmm. And we showed it great. to a couple people that were just like this is really unique and a great extension of who you are as a comedian well and it can't performer. be really unique it has to be unique yeah and or it's not. also just a really good it's... insight as to what it's like for a comedian to travel yeah. to another country did i miss something yes no, uh, so, yes you did you've missed a lot you've said it twice you said it twice i had to jump on it the second time something <laughs> either is unique or it isn't it cannot be very unique Okay, fine, fair enough. I'm just well, helping. You're very you. much an asshole, Luke. So, uh, <laughs> I'm nice now, and I said it in such a nice way, and I, I'm only helping everybody. Yeah, it's true. It, it was it was fun to watch exuberance, and uh, um, well, uh, just uh, here's it was why fun you're to watch wrong. Clash. Yeah, <laughs> I do this. That sounds like a great like, project. It's original. Though. It's unique. Nothing like it has ever been done. I'm like smashing a thesaurus, like three-hit <laughs> button. Just like, give me all the words right now. Yeah, perfect. Well, that's that's that really cool. Yeah, I'm just I'm glad you know when you when your fan when your plans fall apart as they did for pretty much every single person we know this oh i planned on having a pandemic so i'm chilling <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i didn't really plan on this either in my lifetime let alone this year um you got to shift and you got to pivot and you got to work with what you have and i think this uh this documentary i don't know whether to call it a special or a documentary or a travel log because it's like it's a little doc special what was that it's a little doc special yeah, a little doc special, exactly. <laughs> it just, um, it just, it's, it's great that we were able to put something together, um, without really having a plan to do so, and that is completely attributed to mm. Kyle and what he and his masterful work in the editing bay and just with his camera at all. There were all these times when we'd be in London and we'd be like standing on a bridge, he'd be, and we'd be like, all right, let's go somewhere else. He'd be like, I'm getting a time lapse. I need eight minutes. And we're like, God damn it, Kyle, why? <laughs> and then I watch this thing and I'm like, 
it's probably good that we stood on that bridge. But, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, it's um. Yeah, that I don't know if there's anything quite like the concept of traveling abroad to do shows. And it's, behind the scenes is so interesting, right? I mean, that's where we that's where people want to see anyway. Well, if like you know? if they're seeing it with jokes laid over it as opposed to just like the ambient noise of just like the in-between of things, then I think that adds, you know, that gives that stuff life. Definitely. And that's actually where it landed because that first 55 minute cut, it was just like you'd see some stand up and then you'd see some B-roll footage and then some stand up. And when he cut it together and he really refined it and it became this thing that was just so much more interesting to watch. And I think the problem with comedy specials, right, especially in the last couple of years, as we've all said it as comedians, they don't feel special anymore because there's so many of them. And it's right. just one person in front of a blue wall doing jokes for an hour. Yeah. And, you know, Here's I've always my... been conventional and weird in the way that I present myself and my comedy. So I just figured this is a good way to do it. I think yeah. that's very smart because I think a lot of comedians, and this is me being serious, which sucks, but <laughs> a lot of comedians do specials and they're not comfortable in their setting because they're used to doing a club with like, 200 people in the room and they're doing like this big bright theater and there's cameras on them and there's cameras on the audience so the audience is weirded out it's just not the same so you got that's cool that you got this little slice yeah and though on the good part God, about it good, is because i was i wasn't headlining much in london i was it was my first time there so i was doing i did 12 shows in like six days so you see me on a bunch of different stages and pretty much everything was a five to 12 minute set. There were a couple twenties in there, but other than yeah. that, it's just, it's an ever changing environment as well. And have you guys ever done stand up out of the country? Stuart, you have, right? Yeah. We've covered it extensively. Yes. Stuart's well, been all over. Yeah. I've, I've gotten to perform in, in, in Canada, in London, uh, in the UK, as well as Liverpool. And then uh, last year, Anna and I went to, Malaysia, uh, the Philippines, Thailand, and um, Singapore. Singapore. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's such a, I remember the first time I went to go to international, um, the first place I ever played internationally was Buenos Aires. And before I went. Good air. Uh, you been there? <laughs> oh, that's what it means. Oh, good air? It's a good <laughs> air. Uh, <laughs> very true. Uh, I asked Tom Rhodes, uh, you know, who's a legendary worldwide comic. Yeah okay, I'm playing internationally. What do I need to know? And he just said, stay on your feet. You can't rest for even a second because you don't know if your style and your references are going to carry through to another country. So you're going to have to shift and pivot a lot. And I took that with me every time I've done international. I've done, I've done like six countries now. And it really just changes the way you think and makes you so present as a comedian. Yeah, definitely. And it's remarkable. I've never bombed. Right, that's true. Uh, we've, it's, it's amazing how much does carry now. Like there's so many references because it seems like everyone watches all the same TV these yeah. days. So yeah, I remember I was in Thailand and I did a, sh a joke about the show I didn't know I was pregnant. And I was like, let me explain for those of you that don't know. And they were like, we know. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, then maybe that joke didn't work because it just wasn't funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know that show. You don't uh, remember? That? I didn't know I was pregnant. But oh. I, I can tell you I know what it's about just by the title. <laughs> yeah. If they were 16, then you got a, a double whammy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a show that you don't need to watch. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. 90 Day, I didn't know I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> Nice mashup. I would watch that show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you've had a lot of life happen to you since uh, we since we last talked to you on the on the podcast. I think when we last talked to you it was right before it was right after you had recorded going on America's Got Talent, but it had not aired. So the first time or the second time? Right? The, the first time. Yeah, the oh, first time. Yeah. Yeah, which was obviously the most maniacal performance of my entire life. I mean, mm -hmm. honestly, like that was such a that one was such a game changer for me because like when after i went through that and i and i do say that after i went through that experience yeah it's, it's I was it was intense changed. i was like there was <laughs> there's nothing to be afraid of anymore 
who the fuck ever gets booed by 3,000 people when they're on stage by themselves just trying to tell some jokes? Twirling a tail. Uh, yeah, well, the light-up tail was a very special part of that. <laughs> you know, that's, but that was all part of me being a satirist and me just going like, okay, they'll get that this is all a joke, right? If I'm wearing a bodysuit and a tail. And <laughs> nope, uh, I underestimated that audience by a lot. Yeah, it we're, it's fun and difficult trying to be a satirist in an age without nuance. Mm-hmm. it's you know that that's at least how it feels a lot of the time you know i i tried to the last time i got booed by a collection of people to that degree it wasn't even to that degree it was at the comedy store in london i tried making fun of the royal family to start my set and Oof. they were all just like bunch nope. of tories huh yeah, it was yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a it was a Tory crowd for sure. I made that dude. I made that mistake. I was judging Guy Tory and Joe Tory. <laughs> I was, was judging Rose Battle UK, and I said a joke uh, right when they introduced me. Nobody laughed, and I was like, "Okay, you know what? Then fuck the Queen. How about that? I don't need you to like me. Fuck your Queen." And the place was just silent. And I was like, well, they're just going to hate me for the next hour. And that's just how it is. Yep. Omid Singh told me, Omid was there and he was judging that night. And he goes, Alex, just so you know, like, don't go hard on these people. I was like, what do you mean? This is roast battle. We're in England. They can take a joke. He's like, really? Also, I thought in England, don't they like, aren't they mean to each other? Don't they like give up their chavvies or whatever? Yes. That's what I thought. Yeah, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of cleverness I noticed with, I mean, there's some people who go hard to the paint, but like the roast battle, bomb. right, the, the, the roast battle over there is so, um, it's, it's good, but it is, I've seen of, clips, it's some steps behind the LA roast battle just by nature of like how brash Americans are and how passive, aggressive British people are. But that's why I was confused is because so when I did America's Got Talent the first time and the the crowd was so soft and so sensitive and so had so much hatred for me. And all these comments on YouTube were like, dude, you got to come to England. Like, we love your style of comedy. We will embrace you. Did you dress up? Yeah, you'll be perfect over here. You're a character. You're just you're what we want. So I was like, they'll be able to take some jokes like some harsh jokes and Omid told me not to be hard on them and I immediately went hard and I saw he looked at me and was like I told you and I was like what am I supposed to do man (laughs) oh your doily didn't go into your teacup properly yeah yeah there yeah it's a complicated uh culture I I mean I, I, I haven't been I haven't been there long enough to like know uh, all the nuances, but there is something about because I mean, you know, Russell Hicks, right? Sure. Yeah. Um. So I mean, for those listening, Russell he, he was, lives there still, right? Yeah. And you know, Russell was this comedian who, who he started in San he's, Diego. He's and a he was, crowd work guy, right? He's just oh, a yeah. crowd work guy, and he's an insult guy. Yeah. And his comedy really translated. It wasn't working as much over here in America. Like the best he could do was like crowd warm up for a show. It was very much like a glass ceiling because clubs in America don't really book comics who do mostly crowd work uh, because there is no, it was a glass ceiling, but yes, there were, he was hitting his peak. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then he goes to England and just sort of blossoms because I think in the countryside where people are a little bit rougher around the edges, there is a little bit of that back and forth. I don't think that happens as much in the city proper of London. That's what I was told is they were like, is I was told that by some comics, they're like, dude, if you go up to Manchester and Liverpool and places like that, go, you know, be yourself, go as hard as you want. Wow. London might love me because I'm an elitist prick. And I, <laughs> I look down my nose at everybody because I'm better than them. So like maybe that that could work for me. Could work. Could yeah. Good work. You know, I think part of going to another country and doing stand-up is just pure, it's it's humility, but also unbridled confidence. Like you mm-hmm. have to go up there and act like you know exactly what you're doing, even though you've never been to this place before. And I almost felt like I had a pass in London. I was constantly trying to 
prove myself with every set because obviously if I'm coming from LA and they're like, this guy's been on America's Got Talent and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I kind of felt like I have to like rise to the occasion here and not suck because what happens is when you travel to other places, if you suck, they go, wow, LA comedy, it's just terrible. They're just yeah. so fine. Like they, they judge one person on an entire scene. Yeah. And it's so I really felt the need to step up, but also letting them know, like, it's my first time here. I'm a stranger in a strange land. Wow. Look at all these crazy things I've observed, you know? Sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it's interesting seeing what what works totally. and what doesn't. The I I I've, I've, and going out on that limb, that's the only way to find that out. You know, when I was in Singapore and I made a joke about how it's there's a lot of jungle around it. They did not take kindly to that uh, because they, you know, I think there's a collective understanding in a country that, that's not allowed to chew gum. I don't, I don't know how <laughs> lax they are with a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. They, it, that you know, was one of those places where I was like, all right, I got to go do a bunch of funny voices. Cause this is what's going to carry me through this set. Um, you know, <laughs> like I just, I got to put on the clown nose, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the witty uh, <laughs> takedown is not going to happen tonight. Uh, and, yeah, that's, and that's how it's going to be sometimes. Are we, are we doing long sets over there? Uh, Singapore was a longer set. I think it was like 25 to 30 minutes. Um, and then I think most of the rest of them were in like the 15 range, like 15 to 20. Uh, but Anna and I were sometimes like both closing out a show or sometimes I would close or sometimes she would close. We ended up doing like an extra show that we weren't expecting to do. Um at uh it was, what was it was called the um oh man it, I'm, it's killing me that i'm not it's it's like the, it's the killing me too thank you uh it's the it was the place that was uh there's a club that's on the main uh drag that's all where, where all the tourists go manila uh, boulevard Cowson <laughs> comedy club that's what it is Cowson <laughs> comedy club because it was on Cowson road where you can eat like an alligator on a stick and you right. can also go to an irish pub and get your foot rubbed and then go to like a when I was in where, Singapore, I saw a bar, an Irish pub called Obama's, and that was a fun little. Betty <laughs> <laughs> <So>, Obama's. <laughs> Alex, you, I, I, I've seen you dress up in person a, a couple times, but you like you go out all out sometimes for like America's Got Talent and stuff. You wore like a full body suit of weirdness and like sparkles, and yeah, you go to a lot of these like dance like so you wear all that stuff and you, I guess you don't stick out at these festivals too much. At festivals, no. I mean, at festivals, I'm just like, I mean, I go to like, if like, you know, you go to a festival like Burning Man, which is 90,000 people and you yeah. see every walk of life. There's nothing weird at all about what I would wear. I would love to see you go to a Renaissance festival, but in that like spaceman garb, that'd be really cool. <laughs> Oh yeah, just like, I'm from the future. You guys are all wrong and probably racist. <laughs> probably, I, yeah. I had this moment where I was wearing this, I started wearing this shit at festivals and I was like finding myself and becoming more in tune with like the freakazoid that I am. And I just like, I had this moment where I was like, what if I wore this on stage, started wearing it at roast battle because I figured that was the arena to start kind of working it in mm -hmm. and like be yeah. more of a insane character and a heel like in wrestling. Yeah. And then I just kind of developed my own persona for the stage of my own, um, uh, attire and I really was scared dude it was super scary for me to start wearing that stuff on stage and I remember yeah, having a conversation bananas bonkers <laughs> yeah, I, my my worry and I talked to Jeff Ross about this for a while I was like I'm afraid that if I wear this stuff people aren't going to take me seriously anymore and he was like do you think Andrew Dice Clay thought that? Like, you have to, you have to own, the only thing holding you back is you. And if you want to own who you are, people will listen to you as long as you believe in it. And yeah. I remember the first weekend I was in Calgary, I was doing a week at this place called the Comedy Cave. And I decided I'm going to wear my kimonos for every single show. I'm just going to wear a kimono. And I felt this thing like take over me when I walked on on stage where I was like, I feel cool. I feel well, like- was I the breeze. I feel flow, like, yeah. and everything just worked. And I just realized that, no, no, people will listen to me because they're actually, even though they're looking at me like I would never wear that, you seem like a genuine person. 
So yeah. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And that's kind of what I realized is what stand up, how you relate to people is they don't need to have your story. They don't need to think or want to be like you. They just need to trust that you are. You bring your experience to them. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you can tell when someone is wearing something weird for the sake of like trying to be weird or yeah. whether they enjoy doing it. Yes, very much so. And that's why like AGT is obviously an extreme example because in that I'm really trying to be as weird as I possibly can. And I'm also trying to undercut the harshness of these roast jokes that I yeah. want people to know are jokes. Like I love, I have so much reverence for those uh, for those icons that are judging me on that stage. <laughs> and I just figure I'll undercut it by wearing a tail and some really shiny rainbow mm -hmm. shit. And just well, you really, should have blown up a glove on top of your head until it blew up because that's, <laughs> I mean, that's dude, iconic. I thought about it, <laughs> <laughs> it was part, part of my audition tape. I was like, Watch this. <laughs> yeah, it, I think it definitely helps to like, okay, if I'm gonna say something really mean, I want to bring you know, let's 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 bring in some joy to you know, to a dollop of joy on top of it, just because the way you've sort of started to dress it, it's starting to think like, okay, if I took DMT, this is what I would see. Like, <laughs> yeah, and that, how, how drug influenced was this costume change? And I want to talk about drugs next. Do you notice my segue? I mean, pretty to wear that stuff was I literally came up with the idea. I was wearing it at a festival, like the first outfit, the red bodysuit and the blue tail. Um, and I was I was on acid when I was like, what if I roast battled in this? And I, I had a roast <laughs> 10 days from when it was. And I talked to my friend Jeff, who was at the festival with me, who knows roast battle very well, has been to almost every one of my battles and knows the show. Like he knows all the people that battle. He knows everything about it. And I was like, he's like, who do you have next? And I was like, Pat Barker. And he was like, dude, Pat will never see it coming if you do something like that. Like mm -hmm. you will stun the world. And it was one of those things where I was so afraid and I had to come to terms like, am I really gonna wear that shit at the comedy store? Like yeah. that's a place for serious stand-up comedy. And then I started thinking about the history and I was like, uh, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, like, yeah. can, no, this is the place to experiment and to find who you are. Yeah. And if this is going to be a part of my story, no, like pick up your balls, squeeze them into this unitard and walk out on that stage with no shame. Yeah, I mean, Lenny Schultz poured cereal and milk on his head in the main room. You're not like it's <laughs> it's not a place for serious uh, yeah, people. That's funny. That's good writing. Yeah, this closer by the way, because that's really tough to open with and recover from. Yeah, once the cereal is on your head. <laughs> yeah, once the milk starts yeah, to and smell. Goes, so, how about this president? <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I. Uh, you know, there's there's admiration for stuff like that, but then I also go like, what am I writing jokes for? Like, what I really enjoy doing this, and then I see people just go up and go, yeah, like you're not going blah. You have at least a persona, and like you've cultivated stuff. But yeah, when people do that. I just I I, don't I find I find that my when I started to really own who I was and dress like I wanted to, the jokes followed suit and I started writing I mean I've always kind of written in what I consider like you know my voice and everything but I started to really mold my material to it so that I still had very what I would describe as like progressive and like cutting edge material but I was presenting it in a very fun way where I thought anything I'm talking about that's super dark will again have a tone of levity to it because I'm dressed like a silly asshole yeah, I kind of feel the same way when I'm like wearing a suit and like putting a big grin on when I'm delivering something that's like hard to swallow. And it's like, yeah, it's like, okay, you know, I, you know, it's, it's rare to like for someone in our relative age range to like, okay, I feel the most comfortable in a suit and tie. <laughs> but right. like, you know, it's like, all right, sometimes that's just what it is. And, I've uh, wondered that, like, you know, how you have to wear a suit if you do the Tonight Show. I've, yeah. I've, I've wondered like, what I, if I ever do that, like what I could get away with that would be like a suit that would still very much represent like me, you know? But like, just put a bow tie on, on the, yeah, and, and a red bodysuit. Yeah. Yeah. Who's that uh, ESPN commentator who always has like a wackadoodle suit? Uh, I, I can't. Oh, I can't. 
I yeah. know exactly Marv Albert. Like, Marv yeah. Albert. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like that, I mean, like that's, you know, or like that guy who like tells you what to do with your money and he's got, he looks like the Riddler. <laughs> he's just got all these like dollar mm-hmm. signs. Not J.G. Wentworth, but that other guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, guy. yeah. I think there's plenty of ways to do it. I mean, the way, I mean, like if I was the segment producer, I would have you go out in a suit and maybe it's a little bit, you know, it's more in your vein, but then there is a, there's a, a, a ripoff yeah uh, a tear away of the suit and or maybe, or maybe i would squeeze myself into like a 12 year old suit be like i'm sorry nobody has made me wear a suit and yeah, get young sort of look years, like, <laughs> like this yeah, yeah just hulking out um i will say drugs did have a big part of me owning Let's rank the drugs i want to rank them well, yeah, I mean, you asked. And so I will say, like, they had a big part of me defining who I was and being comfortable with myself, for sure. Because the more I got to, the deeper I went inside myself and did all this reflection, I realized that I just didn't care what other people were going to think about me anymore. And that I was going to just, I was going to take the biggest risk possible. And that just means falling on your ass a lot and be willing to get back up. But the bigger the risk, the bigger reward. And I think like what I did this past season on America's Got Talent was a perfect showcase of just like, I'm putting everything out there saying, fuck, whatever happens here happens. And luckily it worked, but it was a huge, it was a huge opportunity for me to just really fall on my face. Totally. But I mean, I think you've, you've seen, you seem to have this great, um, attitude that I think carries you through like whether you know whether you're slacklining or whether you're you know putting on a bodysuit or whether you're just like doing committing to a physical bit like I think that it's kind of like when we're brand new to stand up and we have that delusion that carries us through it you know yeah. as, as as we get older it's just like okay you know the, any any sense of positivity is what's gonna knock us over the edge yeah I think um, I think it allows me to always remember to have fun when I'm up there because I think sometimes we take ourselves so seriously and we're on stage and we're like, listen, I wrote these things and you're going to sit there and you're going to hear them, okay? And then <laughs> we take ourselves so fucking seriously that we forget we're up there trying to just make people laugh and have a good time. So if I look down at myself- I'm trying I'm to like, tell the truth up there. Yeah, I, need, yeah. I need to expose these these hypocrites. That's yeah, you, I'm about to the audience. Your minds and expand yeah. your universe because you've been lied to your whole life. <laughs> and I look down at myself and I look, I see my kimono just like flapping on, on in the wind, and I'm like, oh yeah, nothing matters. Who cares? Have the best time <laughs> That's you know? interesting. I never, I, I never needed a, a wackadoo suit to do that necessarily, but I, I totally understand what you're doing. Like people who take themselves too seriously. That's why. That's one of the reasons I never bought. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. You don't. I've never seen you bomb, you know, yeah. and I don't I don't think you would allow yourself to bomb because you're so self-aware and present up there that it's just not. Possible. It, is, it is true. Like, even if I'm, <laughs> you know, maybe don't have them or whatever, I go, well, I'm not doing well. And that, you know, that's a little trick. Self-awareness is my is my suit that I. <laughs> and I don't. And that's the thing is, like, you know, the, the outfits are just like, they're just another thing for me to just be like, hey guys, don't take me seriously up here. Like I'm just having a good time. And I think it just kind of goes along with, I've created this hyperbolic persona of who Alex Hooper is on stage and how I want to be off stage as well. But it, the, the wearing that shit definitely helps me turn it on a little bit more than- Yeah, totally. Otherwise. So let's so, rank these drugs. What's <laughs> what? What are the best ones? What's let's the best, allegedly let's, let's allegedly rank these drugs. Let's yeah. let's rank asked, drugs on a legend. How last time because you said what's your favorite drug, and the answer wow. is all of them except it not not like I've never done not at once. There's one. There's drugs I won't do. Right, like heroin, meth, PCP, crack, uh, dippers. Um, what's that? You one? know, there's. There's a lot of them in there that I'm just like, I'm not, I don't touch any prescription pills, nothing like that. I don't want any part of the opiate world. I only do mm-hmm. the fun drugs that make already fun situations more fun. There's a line on Simpsons that I always quote when people ask me like, 
why I like why I do drugs and Otto the bus driver, they're watching uh, a meteor shower and Otto goes, wow, I don't even need drugs to enjoy this just to enhance it. Yeah, there you go. And that's my entire view of drugs. It's like you're only allowed to do them to make fun situations more fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm good. I like when Otto, Otto goes one time, he goes, they call them fingers, but you never see them fing. Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, there they go. There they go. <laughs> that's a great, yeah. I always remember that. And that's why it's, it's so good. I think overall, I mean, we might be number one. I mean, just overall. Oh, if I had to pick one for the rest of my life, 100% is weed. 100%. Yeah. Because yeah. the other ones are just situational. Like, that's I'm, right. Like, weed is everyday constant. Hey, I'm not... <laughs> yes. I'm not just doing ketamine on a regular day, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's why they call it special K, for because it's for a special reason. Special what? occasion. I'm taking that all the way to the bank. I love yeah, that phrase. You can have it. It's, it doesn't go with, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where, like, I know I, I've done them long enough that I know the cocktails to give myself. I know how to space them apart mm-hmm. so I'm never freaking out or having a bad experience. Like, I, I know... I'm very good at telling myself, even when I'm scared and feeling like trapped in my own mind, I'm very mm-hmm. good at being like, Alex, it's drugs. Just go take Write it out. Yeah, the doors are locked, but they will eventually open. So yeah. Yeah. stay on the train. My, my mother has become uh, driven to try and do mushrooms. And I, you know, for years I was like, cause she's a, such, she not she's not a controlling person, but she needs to be in control of her faculties. You know what I mean? I've, like she doesn't like to let go. She can't do any of that. And I was like, and I had only ever allegedly taken an eighth of mushrooms, like the six or whatever alleged times that I've done it. Um, which is the, if you trip and you talk to God and it's, it's amazing. It's really yeah, great, it's- but I don't think she could handle that. So I was like for years just saying, you know, I don't think you should. Like, I, I, think, I mean, ease into something else maybe. And then, you know, like with this whole microdosing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, she could do a little bit and maybe allegedly be fine. And, you know, not like, by the way, your, your zoom being a little, or your computer being a little bit older, gives some trippy visuals. There's like lag on it. So that's kind of, that's a high, like, yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. My, my computer, I literally bought this thing like six years ago, just to type jokes on. And <laughs> I, I only, I edit my podcast on it. I type some jokes on it, but it was never meant to be a, a video quality computer. Totally. Every zoom show I do, I use my phone. But because ah. I'm recording this mm-hmm. with my high quality microphone, yes, it's very cool. No, I was just saying, just like it was a drug thing. It wasn't a condemnation of anything. I just thought it fit very perfectly in the in what we were talking about. So, do you think your mom's gonna do mushrooms? I think so. I I'll tell you this. I'm trying. My mom was supposed to come out here right before COVID hit, and my plan was to eat mushrooms with her because she's never done it and i just think i know how beneficial and therapeutic they can be and i know her so well and i know how much like heaviness she Mm -hmm. carries inside her and i really feel like i would be a good shaman for her to just really like get it out and as Mm -hmm. soon as i told my fiance that she goes great you trip with your mom and i will be as far away from you both as possible There's no way I'm going to, I mean, my mom's the type of person who like when she smokes pot, she's like, she does do that. She, my hands, <laughs> my hands. Yeah. My mom, my mom will take a, a hit from a joint and like go and just like be giggling at stupid shit. So I don't like, she doesn't have a huge tolerance for these kind of. It's like they get blasted right back to Woodstock and they're like, dude, I told you the sixties would never end. I'm watching <laughs> Joe Cocker right now on stage. Yeah. This is the pandemic of love. <laughs> I I was thinking about uh, trying mushrooms before COVID hit as well. Um, you know, it was something that I, you know, I was like, okay, this would be, could be a nice way to like. Allegedly, know. I think you could handle a full eighth. Oh, sure. I, well, I think that. I think you're in control enough of your brain and you can go, it's only going to be three hours. Yeah. You know, I was right. a le- then I'm allegedly going to take that compliment. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I think everybody should do an eighth of mushrooms at least once in their life. I think it's cool. Should I think no matter what the the percentage of you having a 
negative experience is so small. And even if you have a negative experience in the moment, the percentage of it being an everlasting thing is even the most minuscule possibility in Mm -hmm. the entire world. Most people, even if they don't have necessarily a good trip, they still come out of it with a deeper understanding of themselves. There's always lessons. I love it. Like when, whenever I allegedly have done it, it's, I see metaphors and everything and I go, this means something else. (laughs) (laughs) It it really opens, it it opens my, you know, heart chakra a lot. Yeah. Well, I mentioned, I mentioned it to my dad. I don't know if I used that correctly. I just said the phrase that I, yeah. I repeated a phrase I've heard before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mentioned it to my dad when we were, uh, when I was visiting home and uh, he, you know, just sort of casually mentioned to me that he, you know, not only did mushrooms a lot in college, which I had never heard from him before, but he also like sold them and flipped them so that he could like buy textbooks and stuff (laughs) and it just blew my goddamn gourd out of my skull it was so (laughs) it was just like it it was one of those like oh come on man (laughs) because my my parents were like why weren't you cooler well yeah it was like growing up dad yeah and i kind of and i kind of said you know what this is this is almost like pretty cool. Uh, like this is because uh, my parents were just so like instilling in the, of the, like the drive is just like you, you know, you've got these goals and you can achieve. So you're going to achieve. And it's like, if you might, you, know, you might as well do everything to the best of your ability. And so, I, and now I just like have this constant like drive mm-hmm. to be, you know, the best for, you know, now in the pandemic after eight months, like no reason. <laughs> yeah, you need some mushrooms, bro. You could right. do it pretty soon. You could t- you could go to J Tree. People, I try to get people to understand about me, and some do, and some don't. Is that my drugs that I do don't affect my drive or my motivation in any way? Because I'm not, even though like I That's the enhancement have a lot thing. of drugs in my life, I'm not addicted to them in any way. And most of the ones I do, it's like yeah. Every couple months, I'll have myself a night where I stay up till seven in the morning, just partying my face off. But then I wake up the next day and I get right back to work. It's like, I consider it like binging and purging, you know, is like whenever I have one of those all night dance parties where I'm just putting, you know, oh, a tab of acid. Now I'm going to smoke some weed. Now I'm going to do a line of K. Like whatever I'm doing, I... Allegedly. All of that is my reward for working my ass off for those yeah. last two months. And then as soon as that stuff goes through me, I, you know, and I, and the next day I wake up and a little hungover, but I'm really illuminated. And I just feel like, good, I deserve that. Now let's get right back to it. I'm yeah. never going to be one of those people. And that's why I only do the fun drugs because the right. people mm-hmm. that are going to do heroin and Coke all the time and stuff like that. Those are the ones that really get lost because they lose their motivation and mm-hmm. they do things for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it'll kill my drive necessarily, but I do think it could be a nice counterbalance to <laughs> all the, all the seriousness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. For you, and definitely. Honestly, <laughs> you'll learn things about yourself. And I really, I just think like the first time I did an eighth of mushrooms, I was 16 years old. And I remember looking at a tree and watching it breathe. And suddenly I was like, Whoa, does every tree breathe? And like, it's like, of, of course it does. But yeah, it helps us breathe. Who's so focused on eh, the world sucks and everything's terrible and I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this life happen. And I suddenly looked at, from that point on, I just, I had an appreciation for sunsets and sunrises mm-hmm. and nature as a whole. I could look at a flower that was blossoming and just like stare at it and be like, Look yeah. And that's really what mushrooms. Mushrooms are top five. Oh for man, sure. for sure. Yeah. Oh, they're they're amazing. They're they're so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I uh, never, I've never done a K. I don't know what that's all about. I don't even I, know what that it, like really what it does. You want I to have, know? I haven't. I haven't either. I just want to before we get into it. I just want to mention that like. I think there are definitely times when to do it and when not to do it. And I ran into a time when someone should not do it. I was staying at a comics uh, house, uh, just crashing. And uh, the host of the house, there were several comedians there. And I was going to crash on the couch. The host is like, 
Um, I'm going to try ketamine for the first time. So um, just make yourself at home. And I'm just like, yo. <laughs> it was like, you know, you just said like, the, <laughs> like there's plenty of less safe things it's such to a, say. It's such a scary name too. It's yeah, it's very clinical. This, but that's the problem with like when I was in when I was in school and I I remember being in in, in the Dare program they're like and Special K and they put it up there with heroin so I always thought that it was I thought it was PCP I mm. thought it was I'm gonna take off all my clothes and go fight a cop in the middle of Sunset Boulevard mm -hmm. kind of shit. And then one, a couple of my friends started doing it at festivals. And I was like, no, guys, come on. We're not that deep. We're not going down that road. Like, <laughs> we're too far gone. No, like, can we just go back to Molly and Acid? And they were like, yeah, we got this new thing that we're doing. And I remember hesitating for a long time because I really am weary of like how far down the drug path I will allow myself to go. Right. But what ketamine does that is so interesting is I call it a choose your own adventure drug because if I want to dance for 20 more minutes and just get hyped up, I'll take a bump and I'll do that. Or if I want to dissolve into the floor and just become a puddle of nothing, I can take that same bump and instead go downward. And it's huh. my choice which way I want to take it. And it gets very, I say like, why walk when you can float? ketamine you know <laughs> it's it's one of those drugs where if you have it under control and you know how to just take little teensy hits of it it's beautiful and it will sustain you and stop you from doing more of other like you don't have to take another hit, hit a molly or something like that you can take a tiny little bump of this stuff and that's when I kind of just like fell in love with it as a mm -hmm. as, as a party drug as, a, as like I, I get how long does it last like like 15 to 20 minutes oh okay yeah. okay it's very short-lived and it's not it's 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 a little it's kind of outer body because it is the psychedelic but it's also just very beautiful and you really do feel like you're just floating and suspended in air yet you can still have full conversations you're very present as to what's going on mm. so it's like like Coke makes people too in your face and too aggressive and you're just like, yeah, yeah. more, more. Ketamine, yeah. you're never going to meet. And like the people are just chill. They're just like. Oh. Mm -hmm. No one starts a t-shirt business on ketamine. Is that what you're saying? Hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was picturing while you were um, coming up with a slogan for ketamine, the uh, just you in your bodysuit, but with a bow tie is like, I have a few more slogans, sir. And you're just <laughs> yeah. There's just like the, like the madmen of, of the electric daisy land. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, one thing that I was worried about. So AGT went through all of my tweets. They went through everything. And I had a 35 minute phone call where they read me every single tweet that they found offensive from the past 10 years. Were you laughing your ass off? I laughed so fucking hard. <laughs> There was a 20-something-year-old girl on the other end of the line, and she's like, we have to read these to you. I was like, you can just send me the document. I'll go through them. She's like, no, it's our job. We're going to read these to you, and you're going to, if you want to, you can try to explain yourself for each one. And I'm like, Shame. I'm sorry. Shame. Shame. In 2011, indefensible. I guarantee you, whatever you found, it's indefensible, and I don't want to know about it. But as they read these tweets, <laughs> they, they had uh, tagged and they had, they had searched and tagged every single time I used the word gay, um, KKK, genocide, rape. Um, I, I can't even remember all of that. But I mean, it uh, was a laundry list of... It's just all the words, I'm sure. Yeah, just all the words. They, they looked up uh, Alex Hooper and then... Yeah. Just and, that's what, and, I, they were, and I was afraid they were going to really pull out all the drug stuff and be like, you know, this is a children's show. And I have to be cognizant of it because I do have a lot of young fans. I have like 10 year olds that hit me up through Instagram and are like, you're my idol. And I'm just like, I literally just made a joke about eating all the ecstasy in the world. Like, right. <laughs> you know, that's on my page that this person's looking at. Yeah, how how do you how do you grapple with that, or is it something to grapple with? Uh, you know, having you know children who are fans of yours because I mean I'm sure they have Instagram accounts and they have you know Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that, or so they they find you somehow. So how yeah. how do you work with that? I just figure that what I'm actually putting out there is really not that bad, and I'm never like telling people go do drugs, go do go be like me or anything. And I figure they're seeing so much worse shit on the internet than anything 
something they're going to see on my page. And yeah. hopefully if they do find out about some drug from me, they see that I'm living this very fruitful and colorful life where I'm always sprouting positivity and happiness and joy and inspiration. And I'm trying to get people to realize who they are and come out of their shelves and fully be themselves. And hopefully they realize that like, just because I'm saying something doesn't mean they have to adhere to it in any way. Hopefully they just take the parts of me that they understand and allow it to inspire them in some way. I hope that's what happens. Um, that's why we always say allegedly. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think more, I think more and more uh, people younger than us are able to um, they see, see that, they see, see that duality. Yeah, they, they see they have access to everything. They see everything. There might be some parental controls here and there through their school or at home, but like they're seeing kids so these much. days are growing up so fast, aren't they? Though, <laughs> yes, they see all this filth. Like America's got talent. <laughs> and dude, the crazy thing is, I have gotten like almost death threats from parents that are like, "I was watching that with my son. How dare you!" think that was appropriate. How am I supposed to explain to him that bullying is not okay when you're on TV, his favorite show, bullying people? And I'm like, I don't know, be a parent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let him know that it's a joke. Like yeah. that's your problem, not mine. Yeah, let him know that those judges are richer than God yeah. and <laughs> they're gonna be fine. That's what's so like when people think- Where do they get off these judges? Anyway. Uh, not anywhere near me because I tried with Sofia Vergara. Um, <laughs> Babe, <yeah>. hall pass. <laughs> I just, I can't believe when people don't understand that, like, I had to be vetted through this huge process to get onto that stage. Like, people think that I, like, tricked my way in there and I was like, hey guys, I'm a juggler. Can I go out on the stage and juggle in front of people? And then I went out there and I was like, never mind, fuck you. <laughs> like, I'm just like, you're you guys have to understand this is television and they know it's produced and they know what's coming. But I wish I could juggle. They don't. Yeah. The, there's so many hoops to jump through. Literally. To, to yeah. Get. That's on America's Got Talent. I've seen <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I, Anna and I auditioned one year and the, the hoops for us to go through to just like audition, like have an appointment and not wait in line for eight hours and not even get on television. Like there was like almost zero chance. I think it's such a weird format for standup to be into. Oh. It's not, it's not because you weren't doing necessary. You were just kind of roasting Alex, yeah. but like standup seems just not good for that context. It's a losing Especially battle. Here with no audience to speak of. Yeah. I mean, comedians were dying up there and people were like, I just didn't find you that funny this time. It's like, just because no one is laughing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Take, take the funniest comic in the world and put him in a room with no audience and see how funny they seem. And you know? four judges and yeah. crew guys who want to go home. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I'll say this. The crew guys are my saving grace when there was no audience because I can hear the, all the cameramen and all the side producers and stuff fucking love me because Great. I'm the only one that goes in there and is straight up talks to these people in a way that they wish they could. Yeah. Um, and so they love me for it. But that's why I would never do stand up on that show. Like what I do on that show yeah. is so different than what I do normally as a comedian, but I just use it as an opportunity to have the exposure and to be a completely ridiculous fool. And then I want, if, the, if you see that you like it, I would say, if you see that, that you enjoyed it, you will like my standup, but you have to realize it's not this. It's mm -hmm. not this. Yeah. Everybody check out that YouTube. Uh, what's it called? It's called, when does the club shut? When does the club shut? It's, uh, okay. When does, it's, 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 uh, I mean, I can explain. It's from an electronic song that's like that from a UK producer. And it literally just was like, when does the club shut? All I want is pizza. And that's like <laughs> a whole song. And yeah. we would listen to a lot in London. And so we thought it was funny that I was running around from club to club. Like, when does the club shut? When that sounds club shut. That's that sounds great. beautiful. Yeah, and, and it's youtube.com. So that's how you find and it. I'm so excited to release it because we've been sitting on it for a while now. And we're just, it's ready to find life in the world. So I'm glad that, so thankful that you guys had me on to talk about it. And um, yeah, yeah, I can't wait for people to watch it.
Yeah, I can't wait to watch it either, man. Uh, I'm happy for you, dude. And I'm glad that uh, it was, I wanted to say as well, it was really cool seeing uh, Eddie Malden's uh, artwork paired up with your latest AGT yeah, performance. Yeah, with the uh, book. Eddie, yeah. Eddie does the, did the artwork for our, uh, you know, little um, our thumbnail logo. for the, for the logo of the show mm-hmm. and uh, we, you know, a special place in our heart for him. So I'm glad that his work was included with your performance. Mm-hmm. He killed it so hard and he had such a short amount of time to do it and still had to like, like I was lucky enough that AGT was willing to hire him because when I told him his idea and showed him some of his work, they were like, oh, this would be cool. And he just, I really think he brought the whole thing together. Like it totally. would have been good. He made it great. You know? Yeah. I think it tipped it in the net for sure. Yeah. yeah. And a, a big thank you to Alex Hooper, who, uh, who was hanging at the comedy store just a little longer than I was. And I got there, but it was always like a cool dude and seemed wise, even if he was high as hell. <laughs> I probably was, but I'm glad I just, dude, I'll never, I'll never look at somebody and think anything other than just, I, I want to make you feel seen and appreciated. And I think yeah, we're never Alex is, that. Alex is one of those genuine people. It's, uh, you know, it's unsettling, but it, because I'm so negative all the time or whatever, but it, it really, it, it, he's great. He's a great It's dude. gross and it's desperate and it's lame and I'm needy. So. Yeah. It's really thirsty and sweaty. Um, <laughs> Being a good person is so thirsty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> follow, follow Alex on Twitter, Instagram at uh, Hooper, Hooper, Hooper Hair Puff. Hooper, Hooper Hair Puff. You got go. it. Yeah. I, you guys, I seriously, thank you so much. Um, yeah. you, know, you know I love both of you a ton. So this was an honor to be a return guest. Yeah, of course, no man. No problem, buddy. Great to All see right. you. Bye, Hopefully, we'll see you. Yeah. yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye.